The Christmas story isn't just another story. It's our story. And it's not a finished story. It's the beginning of a story that's still being told. All the sights, all the sounds, and all the songs of Christmas are meant to remind us that this isn't just a random collection of words on a page. It's a story that's been crafted with great intention and care. A story that was created with every person in mind. A story that was meant for you and meant for me. So after Christmas, there's a popular question that people ask. Adults ask it, kids ask it. Usually in the first interaction, right after we get away from Christmas morning, and the question is this, what did you get? Like, what did you get? I think it's a fun question, so I've been asking it myself. Some of my favorite answers so far this year to what did you get have been a Hawaiian shirt with dogs on it that actually look like my dog. Another person said they received flood insurance. That's highly relevant, right? No one ever thought, what? really? No, that actually makes a lot of sense. Another person said I got Bose noise-canceling wireless earbuds so I don't have to listen to my roommates anymore. That's a beautiful gift. Someone said a new cactus. I don't know. All right, that's cool. And I love this one. Two kids from our church gifted their parents a coupon book with seven coupons in it that represented one day each without sibling conflict. That's the gift that just keeps on giving, right? Isn't that beautiful? So gift giving is an amazing part of Christmas because God gave the greatest gift of all. As long as we don't allow gifting to become uh, or reduced into materialism, I think gifts are great. My favorite gift this year was a box of birthday letters from some of my closest friends. I read them and yes, I cried. I got to observe some incredible gifts offered in these past couple of days. I saw the gift of time and sacrifice given by our creative worship, tech, hospitality, and kids teams as they hosted Christmas Eve with grace and excellence in the middle of an ice storm. I saw a lady at Tim Hortons in Canada give the gift of compassion when she bought a cup of coffee for a guy who was flying a sign on a street corner. I know of volunteers who sacrificed their own Christmas to make sure that the weather shelter was open and could host people who didn't have anywhere else to go. I saw gifts of Christmas blessing, generosity, personal sacrifice, and people opening their homes to folks who couldn't make their way home because of the weather. We saw neighbors shoveling driveways, walkways, and helping people get snow off their roofs. I mean, the true spirit of Christmas was on grand display this year, and wasn't it interesting that as the needs went up, so did the generosity of people's hearts. But the people of God were motivated to give because of the most amazing gift that God gave, the gift of his son, Jesus. We recognize as the people of God that, that we're just simply stewards, and we release the gift that God gave into our lives, into the lives of other people. Now, some people might think that God originated giving at Christmas, because that's when we really focus on it, but the truth is, God has been sharing an example of generosity with people since the very beginning of time. And I could try to go back and explain it all to you with my words, but this is a family service, which means we've got kids in the room. And so that just gives us an opportunity to do it in a very, very different way. So if you'd like to see a biblical story of God's generous heart, let's watch this together right now. 
imagine your friend invites you to a party. You arrive and there's lots of people, decorations, food and drink. There's enough for everyone. When you're hosted by someone that generous, you don't have to worry about your needs. You can just enjoy yourself and focus on the people around you. Yeah, that's what a good host wants for her guests. And this is the picture of the world that we find in the Bible. Creation is an expression of God's generous love. He's the host and humans are his guests in a world of opportunity and abundance. And we're called to keep the party going, to spread his goodness. This is a beautiful picture, but it's not the way people experience the world. Rather, we find a world of scarcity and struggle, not abundance. And Jesus grew up in that kind of world, under military occupation, people losing their land or families to debt and poverty. And yet, he would say things like this. Look at the birds. They don't store up food for themselves, yet they have enough. Or consider the wildflowers. They're beautiful and abundant, and they don't stress about their existence. And you all should live that way, too. But surely Jesus knew that things don't always work out. I mean, sometimes there really isn't enough. And Jesus did experience poverty firsthand, but he viewed the world through the story of the Hebrew scriptures, which claimed that our scarcity problem isn't caused by a lack of resources. Rather, the problem is our mindset that God can't be trusted. Maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe there isn't enough, and maybe I need to take matters into my own hands. And once we're deceived into that mindset of scarcity, we can justify the impulse to take care of me and mine before anyone else. And that leads to envy, anger, violence, and a world where it seems like there's not enough. The party's over, it's turned into a battleground. But God wants humans to experience his generosity, and so he chooses one people, the family of Abraham, and he promises to give them the abundance that he wants for everybody else. God will provide what they need. All they have to do is trust his generosity. And through them, the whole world will see how generous the host really is. But that's not what happens. Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, enter a land of abundance and they promptly forget the host who gave it to them. They act like it's all theirs and like there's not enough. And it leads to war and Israel's self-destruction. If I were the host of this party, I think I'd just give up. But God doesn't give up. What he does is surprising. He gives another gift. Another gift? Yeah, but this gift is different. What God gives is himself. All right, and Jesus, the host himself, comes to join in on the spoiled party. And notice, Jesus lives with the conviction that there is enough and that our generous host can be trusted. His mindset of abundance allowed him to live sacrificially and generously, even towards his enemies. And Jesus called his followers to trust in God's abundance like him. And that's why he said things like, sell your possessions and give to the poor, or don't worry about your life. He's inviting us to live by a different story, one that is built on trust in God's goodness and love. But living generously doesn't mean life is gonna go well. I mean, look at Jesus. He was betrayed by his friends and he suffered. And this was no surprise to Jesus. He knew that people would take advantage of his generosity. In fact, that was his plan. Really? Yeah, think about it. Jesus knows that we're all hopelessly deceived by this lie that there's not enough. Yeah, that lie needs to be defeated. And so that's what Jesus was doing when he gave us the gift of his life. Jesus' death was the ultimate expression of God's generous love. Yeah, God's love can turn death into life and scarcity back into abundance. Or as the Apostle Paul put it, 
you know the gift of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, that even though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And Jesus called his followers to live like the real party has begun. Yes, he called it the kingdom of God. And our invitation to this party is yet another gift, the personal presence of God's own spirit that can teach us how to trust the generosity of the host, just like Jesus did. And when you believe there's enough, you start seeing opportunities for generosity everywhere with our time and money, our attention. Yes, one of the most important ways that we can experience the abundance of God's new creation is sharing with others because of our trust that God is the generous host. I really appreciate our friends at the Bible Project and uh, parents, if you ever need a great way of helping your kids visually see what scripture looks like, the Bible Project gets a high recommendation from me. God's a giving God. We follow his example every time we give. Now, I want to just be clear. This is not a financial appeal today. On this very first day of the year, I'd love to ask you a question. In 2023, what can you give of yourself that could change someone else's life? What can you give to God that would reflect your love for Jesus and in turn could change someone else's eternity? So the kids in the room, your parents and I have been doing a Christmas series focused on the characters of the Christmas story. With each character, we made a statement that helped our hearts focus more and more on Jesus and then we asked ourselves a question. And here's what we discovered. Week number one, we talked about the innkeeper, and the statement was, we're all the innkeeper trying to figure out if we have room for Jesus. And the question was, do I have room for Jesus? In week number two, we talked about the shepherds, and the statement was, we're all shepherds trying to find out if the good news is really for people like us. And the question was, do I believe that I'm worthy? In week number three, our friend Emily was here and she talked about Mary. And the statement was, we're all Mary wrestling with the fact that God chose us to use us in unexpected ways. And the question was, will I say yes to the life that God has given me? Then on Christmas Eve, we made another statement focusing on Jesus. We said, we're all invited to the birthday of a king because Christmas was meant for me. And the question was, will I actually accept the gift that Jesus has offered? And this week, we're going to talk about the wise men. And the question is pretty simple. We're all, or the statement is, we're all the wise men trying to figure out what gifts we're supposed to bring to the party. And the question is, what gifts am I bringing to the world, the world that Jesus came to save? I love the fact that we've left the wise men till a little after Christmas, because the truth is, they arrived a little late to the party. And that was all a part of God's plan. So let me read the story right out of scripture that says this, after, let me stop there just for a second. People make a really, really big deal about this, but the truth is the wise men showed up after Jesus had been born. Most scholars agree that it was sometime between a year and to two years later. It doesn't mean you need to take them out of your nativity set, okay? It's good, you're fine. But it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who has been born, the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he'd called together all of the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for that 
is what the prophet has written. And the prophet wrote these words, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd to my people Israel. The Bible then continues and says, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now we all know that's a lie, right? Herod didn't want to go worship Jesus. Herod wanted to go and take care, literally take care of Jesus. It says, and they heard, after they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, and you'll notice it says not the manger, but on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There's just so much we could cover from this story. And let me tell you just a few interesting pieces to get your minds thinking and considering. That word magi actually help us, helps us understand who they actually were. The word magi has a number of meanings from the ancient text. It can mean religious professors. It can mean philosophers. It can mean astronomers. It could mean government counsel or wise advisors. We don't know exactly who they were, but we know this. They were smart and they were seeking Jesus. Here's an application. If you want to be smart, seek Jesus. Today, wise men, wise women, and wise children still seek him. So we know that they had wisdom, that they were seeking Jesus. We also know they came from the east. One interesting perspective suggests that these wise men came from Persia, Persia, which is from the east, and they were specifically searching for a king. And some people would go, how did they make this connection between the king and the star? And I read a fascinating article about how possibly generations before these men had been instructed by a teacher, a teacher that God had placed strategically in the east, a teacher who was a royal Persian, but of Jewish roots. They wonder whether or not these wise men had had a connection with a biblical man by the name of Daniel at some point. Wouldn't it be just like God to set up something like that? You know, I believe the most important consideration about the wise men is that they were just faithfully following the story. They were actively trusting God with their journey Their time coming from the east would have been long and extended. It was no small commitment, but they trusted God with every single day, just like we are attempting to trust God with every single day of 2023. They were trusting God with discernment as they dealt with this crazy King Herod trying to figure out what his actual agenda was. They were trusting God with their talent as they used their intellect to follow this star and they were exercising trust over and over and over again. And what I'm going to tell you is this, when you exercise trust in finding God, God is not playing a game of cosmic hide and seek. If you seek him, you will find him. You will find him. The Bible tells us that's exactly what happened. They found him. And the Bible says the response of these brilliant scholars These academics, and can we just say this, please, teachers, don't be offended by this, but 
can we all agree together that academics are not exactly known for their emotion, right? They tend to be a lot of books. We're thinking, we're talking about words, we're, we're working through those kinds of ideas, but these academics, their response was to rejoice with exceedingly great joy. I want you to think back to the best gift you ever received. Were you speechless? Did you dance? Did you scream? Did you not know how to respond because you were so overwhelmed? Did you cry? Well, these wise men, these academics rejoiced at meeting Jesus. And then this was their response. They fell down in front of a little kid and worshipped. To the adults in the room, have you ever watched a kid truly worship? We could learn something. I've stuck my head into base camp before. I've watched children worship. They laugh, they sing, they dance. Do you want to know where they learn their inhibition from? Us. Parents, can we just say it, right? We think we grow up and we become so dignified and we lose that childlike wonder and that childlike awe. I believe we could learn so much about worship from our children just simply by watching how they connect with God. I believe that God is calling us into these beautiful places, not where we're childish, but where we're childlike. Where we are not afraid as the children of God to fall on our faces in front of Jesus and worship him because he's worthy. What were we just singing before I came out? All hail King Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth. They worship and then they offer gifts. Gold, a precious metal that was a proper gift for royalty, in this case, the king of all. Secondly, frankincense, an expensive fragrance or perfume made from the trees in India or Arabia. I'll talk about that in just a moment. And then myrrh, strange choice for a gift for a small child. Myrrh is a specific kind of perfume made from thorn bushes in Arabia and Ethiopia. It's used as both a medicine and as embalming fluid. Just let that sink in for a second. Just take a step back. Look at what God is teaching us right now. A gift befitting a king. A fragrance that was used in the temple to represent prayer. And a liquid used to heal and to prepare a body for burial. Mom and dad, don't get nervous. I know we got kids in the room. I'm going to tread very, very carefully. Some may look at the gifts and go, oh, I get the first one. That just makes perfect sense. Jesus is the king. They brought a gift for royalty. That's perfect. Frankincense. Oh, I get it. The Bible tells us that God literally can, can smell the fragrance of our prayers when we pour out our hearts in front of him, when we don't hold anything back. And that God loves that, that he breathes that in because he thinks it's beautiful. You also know that the Bible tells us that, that God collects our prayers in bowls in heaven because they're so unbelievably precious to him. Everything that you've ever cried out to God for, he heard and he kept because you meant that much to him. And then there's this 
final one that's a little mystifying. Some might say that that is an inappropriate gift when you're celebrating a newborn. (laughs) But when you understand why Jesus came, that he came to give his life, then that gift actually seems very fitting. I would even say it's perfect. I want you to think about these gifts for just a moment. They were expensive. They would have required amazing sacrifice to purchase. But then I want you to think even more than that. It wasn't like they ordered them on Amazon and they showed up in Bethlehem years later. There was no UPS. There was no FedEx. These men purchased these gifts and then had to transport them for day upon day, week upon week, month upon month, as they made this journey from the east towards Bethlehem. One way to think of it is this. These men, these wise men, had to count a cost and pay a price to worship God in this way, which begs a question. What does your worship cost you? What does it cost you? Do you leave it all on the table when you come to worship or are you just going through the motions? Is there any energy that's expended from you when you come before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Are you entering into a place of worship where it costs you something or, pardon the pun, are you just mailing it in? Because that's what you do on Sunday. If you're just mailing it in, could I refer you somewhere? You need to go watch kids worship and recapture a childlike wonder and a childlike awe of the fact that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has opened the door and rolled rolled out the red carpet so that you can walk directly into his presence in his throne room without fear of being thrown out, with the guarantee of being drawn closer. There's another way to look at the gifts. The gold points to Jesus' royalty, the frankincense to his divinity or what made him God, and the myrrh to his humanity. Every element of Jesus being represented in the beauty of these gifts. Each gift was precious because it pointed to why Jesus was here. And as I get ready to close, the main message behind Christmas, the Magi gift-giving and every other part of Christmas is so unbelievably apparent. It's that Jesus came to save us. First Timothy 1.15, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We never want to lose that. We never want to misplace our focus. We want to not only celebrate the fact that Jesus came, we also want to celebrate the fact that he came in order to pay a debt that we could not pay, to set us free. The Bible says that we are to stand firm And not return back to things that have bound us. Why? Because it is for freedom that Christ has came to set us free. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. That's next week. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And that is a message that we have to consider 
And out of that can come a question. What can we offer the world as we worship Jesus? As the wise men came with appropriate gifts, what, what can you lay down at the feet of Jesus to worship him this year? And what can you bring to him that can actually have an effect in the world that God has called you to love, serve, and sacrifice for? I believe that every one of us can offer our story to the world. A story not about what we've done for God, but everything that God has done for us. I believe we can offer our growth to the world. As we grow in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. When we grow in the fruit of the Spirit, when that is shown up in our lives, the world actually benefits. We can offer our time, our talent, and our treasure to God because we know that God takes what we offer and He uses it to show His love to all people. This lady in Tim Hortons is an amazing thing to watch. She's standing in line. She's already purchased her own coffee. I'm standing off to the side, waiting for my 16-ounce French vanilla from Tim Hortons, which, as someone who grew up in Canada, is a spiritual experience. I'm just saying to you. (laughs) And a guy comes shuffling in with a sign underneath of his arm, and he asks her a simple question. He says, I'm cold. Would you buy me a coffee? And she doesn't hesitate. She just says yes. And then she begins to ask him human questions. Where do you live around here? How did you come to make this place your home? And she took a genuine interest. And I couldn't help but be reminded of this beautiful story. What you have done to the least of these you did to me. I believe we can all offer our time, our talent, our treasure to God because we know that God takes what we offer and he uses it to show love to all people. I believe we can share our journey as we faithfully follow the morning star, Jesus himself. One more quick story and then we will actually worship together. After the one o'clock service on Christmas Eve, which was interesting there were people stranded at home people that couldn't get to church because of ice and blocked roadways and I was just thrilled to walk out at every one of those services and be able to think to myself God has handpicked these people to be here and God has picked handpicked those who were watching online and after the one o'clock service I got to talk with a person who gave their heart to Jesus on Christmas Eve And I asked this person how they came to come to Christ the King that afternoon. And his answer was so beautiful. He said, a friend from work invited me. Simple. I was curious, so I said, has your friend invited you before? And (laughs) he kind of laughed and said, many times. (laughs) Many times. He said, but this year, It just felt like something drew me in. So here I am. Do you know what that friend offered the newest family member of the Christ the King family? They offered time, 
persistence, gentleness, love, and a kind invitation. And a person's eternity was changed. God can take your simple offering and transform someone else's eternity. You know where we learned those kinds of skills from? That kind of heart attitude from? We learned it from a God who gave his one and only son. And what we have received, we have an opportunity to give. So may we be like the wise men and give God our best, knowing that he will take it and multiply it because he's a generous God. Would you stand with me as we pray? Lord, we're about to worship right now. And God, I know that there are some in the room whose hearts are so full, they're ready to worship. Lord, I know there are other brothers and sisters who are challenged today. And, and all, they, all they have is in hallelujah. God, I thank you that you have room for all of us right now as we come to worship you. And I pray that whether we have a little to offer or a lot, I pray that in this moment, it would be a simple conversation, a worship moment between Jesus, our King, and our surrendered hearts. God, use us this year and we will give you glory. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together.